Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by a former rock star who battled with drug addiction, homelessness, and even a heart attack at 21 years of age. A man who knows exactly how to help others overcome limitations in life and make something of themselves. The man I'm talking about is Mitch Miller. Mitch went from not being able to feed himself to leading a movement of people craving freedom, truth, and business wisdom. His social media draws crowds around him, and he's written five books, spoken at universities locally and internationally, been featured in Fast Company Magazine, on Entrepreneur on Fire podcast, and is a highly respected, or is highly respected by top minds in the marketing and copywriting world. Mitch has built nine different businesses over his career, some successful, some not. The most recent being an advertising agency, uh, landscaping company, and now Opposed Media. I've asked him to join us today to go over how to market yourself on social media properly and use psychographics, demographics, and interest to connect and build rapport with hundreds and thousands of people at once, learning how to find and press the buy buttons universal among all of them. So, Mitch, thank you for, so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? Thanks, man. Um, really good. Yeah. <laughs> Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, we've only chatted a few times, but uh, it almost... I don't know how you feel, but I feel like we're old souls. Like I just, we just, mm -hmm. we swim in a lot of the same lanes. It seems like so. Uh, now that's a really interesting story. Like you, you, you were a rock star. You had a heart attack. Like so, were you yeah. always? Do you come from an entrepreneurial family? Like how did you get started? What, what were you doing before you got into being an entrepreneur? Again, were you an entrepreneur from the start? Yeah, well, not at all. Not not even close, actually, man. The way it was was I was just completely clueless I there's for some reason I didn't get certain life skills I mean I even I take personality tests now and my my conscientiousness like my industriousness orderliness is completely almost non-existent that's why I have housekeepers and personal assistants in order to keep my ass on track and uh, even remind me of simple things like interviews or washing my clothes um, and so what that <laughs> did give me is the whole other side of the quotient extremely creative driven I have I have vision I can I can make things happen I can move mountains I just can't organize the fucking mountains so when I was in, <laughs> when I was when I was a kid like man I'd lose everything right I'd lose all this I'd lose all my stuff I would uh, my parents would buy me a new jacket I'd come home from school in winter and they'd be like, where's your new jacket? And I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> and, so, and being from Canada, that's, that's yeah, that sucks. I don't even yeah, know how you made it home. <laughs> we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't have much money, man. Yeah. And so, you know, th that's sad. I Looking back now, I'm like, damn, I put my parents through hell. And so there's no entrepreneurs in our family at all. Mm. Everybody was just a typical, you know, work, work the job, all that. There's no entrepreneurs. I didn't know of any entrepreneurs. I didn't know anything about the business world. Um, all I cared about was Ninja Turtles, WWF Wrestling, and uh rock stuff playing in rock bands mm. and that's all i did i played in rock band um we didn't take well we took it seriously but we had no idea about the business of it um and i didn't go to high school because of that so i didn't i wasn't really educated in anything um and so i would just do drugs party uh be in a rock band and and then um the band kind of started to take off we kind of got a bit popular and a couple of our members uh were connected in the industry, I guess you could say in Canada. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we ended up, uh, being able to record a, a professional album. We got a bunch of songs on the radio. Uh, we got a professional manager and who ended up shopping our album to, um, to, uh, Chad Kroger of Nickelback, his record label. He wanted to sign us. Mm. He actually offered us a deal. We turned it down because we were like, screw that, man. You want fucking all of the he wanted like 90% of everything including merchandise tour everything and we said fuck that man you're 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 screwing us over little did we know that's the time Napster came out and all that stuff so mm. that was the the record companies were losing so much money that that was actually the new business model cuz the old business model was hey you know we um you you guys get to keep your merchandise and keep your tour money but we 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 rape you on the recording so to speak right, right, but right. then when once they started losing money and they have they had to change their whole model, they just took all, almost all of everything, and so we turned that down, uh, which was a mistake, and then um, and then our band kind of crumbled mm. uh, from there and went down to nothing, and so I was I was left with like I was not entrepreneurial, I had zero skills, the band that like you know, there's, there's a lot of luck involved. Like the odds of us getting into another band in my younger years and having that take off is super low. So I was kind of directionless, I guess, mm -hmm. did a whole bunch of drugs, uh, partying, just didn't care, reckless. Uh, one night I, uh, I did too many different types of drugs at the same time, including cocaine and a couple of uh, females. And, uh, and I ended up, I ended up having a heart attack and I was 21 years old when that happened. 
Whoa. That's scary. Because you're just really just like, you, not, like no offense to anyone, but you're, you're still a kid at that age. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like you, yeah, you don't know anything. And yeah. so w- when I had the heart attack, I was like, shit, got to wake up. I got to figure my shit out. And that's when I started uh, getting into business and marketing. I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I had zero skills, but I knew I wanted to improve myself. So I found Tony Robbins somehow. Mm. And that was, and Tony Robbins was like the one who introduced me to all sorts of different new fields. He's like, introduce me to NLP, introduce me to um, Paul Zane Pilzer, who's an economist. I didn't know fucking anything about economics. I never went to economics class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tony was like, he'd, uh, some of the health stuff. And then he introduced me to Jay Abraham. And I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, what is this marketing thing? And that's where it went from. He introduced me to Jay Abraham in an interview. And then I got obsessed with marketing, mm. obsessed. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, man, over 10 years, just obsessive with marketing to the point where if if a, if I wanted to read a book and, it, and, and work got in the way, I would quit that job. I'm like, yeah. fuck it. I'll just get a new job on Monday. Who gives a shit anyway? It's Pizza Hut. Who fucking cares? Right. And so and, and so that's kind of how it evolved and how I figured out business. But there's no entrepreneurs in my family. And I didn't even consider myself one. I had to kind of change my identity to be one after 10 to 12 years. Now, I love something that you said right at the start of this. And it's something I think uh, all, all of us listening to this probably need to pay attention to. We could all do a better job of it. And I know it's something that I'm still learning because there's different levels of learning but you talked about how you need lots of help staying organized. Like you need lots of help to get things done. You know, like you, you've got strengths, but you also know some of your weaknesses. And so you yeah. built a team around you for that. Can you speak to that just a little bit? Just, just because I think mm. it's just something that eludes a lot of people or there's kind of the hero mentality that you do it all. Or I, you know, I built this on four hours of sleep. Like, can you speak to that at all? Sure. I mean, the way I think about it, cause it, a lot of people know what to do. Like maybe I should I should get a personal assistant and not do much do do so much shit. Or maybe I should get a housekeeper, but I'll put it off. And like I I just try to get enough leverage on myself by reframing and and contrasting on myself. So f- for example, with the the way I look at it is in my business right now. Like my business is helping people. I fucking help people. And then when the advice I give, when I consult, when I do this and that, people will make money. People will have their lives literally changed. So mm-hmm. anytime that I'm not doing that. And I, there could be a choice like I'm going to, you know, tonight I'm going to eat ice cream and be fat and watch Netflix. That's fine. That's a choice. Right. But it's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. But like what I'm trying to say is that anytime that you're, tr- that you are purposely doing things that aren't that, that aren't actually involve you helping people, which is your highest and best skills usually, mm-hmm. then you're actually screwing these people over. You're screwing all the possible people that you could be helping over and you're delaying their progress. You're delaying their success. You're delaying your own success. So, you know, me doing my own laundry, me making my own bed, me organizing my room, washing my floors, uh, doing my dishes, um, even going to the store and getting cleaning products, washing the car, all that stuff, like everything mm-hmm. basically is, um, you can hire out for a few dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. And, and because you can hire it out for a few dollars an hour, that means you should not do it because that means it's a few dollar an hour task. She, listen, she's helping me, but I, she's not changing my life mm-hmm. and in the same way we're changing lives. So if you, you just got to understand that's like you got to make a decision. You're like, am I OK cheating my customers out of success and cheating myself out of success by doing fucking ten dollar an hour work? Right. I could be doing a thousand dollar an hour work. It's like if you're OK with that to yourself, then do it because there are there can be some other things. Like, for example, I like mowing the lawn. So, like, you know, I'll mow the fucking lawn. Mm. There's there's a couple things I like doing. It's like I'm not completely inept. Right. But but to to. But, you know, that that amount of time every day that you'd spend cleaning, the, like, especially here, we got we got a mansion, man. Jesus Christ. If I spent the time keeping this place up, like yeah. that would be my full time job. Yeah. So it's just that it's just that math. It's just the math. It's like if you're if you're a logical type guy, it's like the math doesn't work out. It's like, right. why would you fucking do a two dollar an hour job when you when your your time is worth hundreds of dollars an hour? But then there's the other there's the morality of it. It's like. You really gonna waste your time doing all this all this stuff when you could be actually changing lives? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and once you get into it, it's hard to go back. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, it's because you become almost more. It's like your muscles atrophy. It's like yeah, you yeah. I was saying that I came home from Tokyo and I was saying to our cleaner Eric, I was like, Eric, I don't know how I get dressed 
in the morning without you. Like this place was a disaster zone. As soon as I came back, just stuff everywhere, and now it's spotless. So yeah, I yeah, totally get uh, that. Let people do what they're good at, and you do what you're good at, right? Yeah. Now, man. what are some of the biggest challenges? I mean, obviously, you talked about some things that you went through in phases, and in learning marketing and learning and having these multiple businesses. Have you feel like you've learned like milestones? Like first I figured this out and then I figured that out. Like just almost like we talked about, like delegating. That's something a ton of people, most people who are entrepreneurs are control freaks. They want to control, control everything, right? Nobody does it as good as them. I remember one of my first mentors said, Daryl, you just have to accept everyone's a beta version of you. You know, and that's where you have training mm-hmm. systems and quality checks and that in place to try to mitigate that. But everyone, you know, and so for you, do you feel like there were levels that you went through or things that you discovered kind of at each phase? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple of, there's a couple of big things, especially when it came to me making some, making money and making it fucking fast. Like the first thing was that I was screwing around for so long was just doing what works. You know, we learn, we learn, we learn marketing because we, 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 we have a business where we want to sell something. We want to make money with it. Um, and especially if we're here online trying to do that, it's like, we, we, we learn all these strategies, we learn all these tactics and we spend years learning them. And we're obsessed with them and they're interesting and they're fascinating. And we watch all these case studies and we watch our favorite, you know, gurus, almost like, uh, you know, our favorite, like, you know, wrestling stars or something. And, and we, we, we do all this and we're fascinated by it, but then we don't do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't mean we, we don't take action because that's a whole different issue, but I mean, we do, we, we, we do it wrong. Like we do the opposite of what works. It's like, oh, it's like if you would use scarcity here, then it's like someone doesn't because they feel uncomfortable doing it or something. And so there's almost a joke that I make to myself, which is like, I spent like nine years learning all the best ways to mark, to do marketing. And then, um, or sorry, I spent the first two years learning how to all the great stuff on how to do the best marketing. And I spent years three through nine actively not doing that and resisting what works. <laughs> and then year 10, year 10, you actually just do what fucking works. Right. And so there's, so there's a huge understanding that happened for me, which is like, for whatever reason, the way humans are wired, there is specific things that you say and specific things that you do that work and everybody is trying to not trying to do something unique. Oh, I'm going to do it my way. You know, I'm, I'm not going to do it. You know how Gary Halbert did it in the seventies. I'm, I'm going to use a different framework. I'm going to be more authentic and just express myself. It's like, well then stay fucking broke because right. what works fucking works. And most people spend their lives trying to do it their way. And that killed me forever, man. So what are some of the things that work? Well, um, okay. So this actually bleeds right into another big thing that I figured out. So one of the thing, one of the things that works is when, okay. So number one, I even think like as, as, as important, I think copy is an offer, a good offer is more important. Mm -hmm. And so what a good offer means is something that I didn't understand for a long time and something I resisted. So a good offer is based on specifics. So a a specific type of person with a specific type of problem that you have a specific solution for at a specific price that will give, that will, you know, guarantee, not get, well, hopefully guarantee a specific result in a specific time period. The more you can get super hyper specific with all of those kind of, uh, points, then the better your offer will do. I mean, and that's why like, you know, a lot of the, like say like make money or weight loss offers that are banned are the ones that are the most specific, Mm. always Mm. the most specific. And so a a big wake up call for me, I get repeatedly slapped in the face and reminded of this stuff over the years with my own businesses. Um, we've done about 18 seminars in the last three years and we, just doing them off the seat of our pants, man. And when we make offers for them, they're very hard to fill. And I realized because the offer is basically just like, hey, like, you know that I know some stuff, like come hang out in Mexico for a week and I'll teach you some cool shit about how to do X. And it's going to be awesome and you'll be able to network and this and that. And 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 you will pull some sales and you will pull people, uh, you know, it's like pulling teeth to get them there, but they will because they believe in you and they know you got some stuff. And But that's really not an offer. And so our latest event here in Puerto Rico that's coming up, we I was like, okay, I'm going to actually – take this to heart and make a real offer. So I said, you know, when you come to this event, 
and, and it's like, I'm going to teach you my actual, I'm going to teach you seven actual business models that I've used on Facebook, including the actual templates, a model that will, that if you put this into use, will bring you an extra, like it was like mm-hmm. actual specifics within the event of exact things that you're going to learn. And it can even, it can even be as simple as like, Oh, I wrote this one sales letter that made a million dollars in 13 days or something. It's like, and that sales letter with just a few minor modifications can, can, can make you more, you know, can make you an extra, whatever. I'm going to give you that letter when you come to the event or something. So Mm. like actual specifics within, uh, within the offer change the game. Um, Mm. and it's so easy to like slip and not know that you're doing this or, or that you're missing it. Mm-mm-mm. So specific sell. I love that because that's part of where they like, there are riches and niches, bitches, because everybody wants yeah. their business to be for everybody, right? Like, oh, right. I can I can do this person. I can, yeah, but, you know, but maybe you just need to have different front ends to your business. Even, you know, if everyone's doing the same thing in the back end of the factory, that's fine, but maybe you need a different storefront taking orders. Right. You mm. need the one for the soccer mom. You need the one for the college kid. You need the one so that way they know it's for them. We want custom things, right? Nobody goes and buys a shoe. You buy a walking shoe, a hiking shoe, a dress shoe, right? Like like a, a rock climbing mm-hmm. shoe. You buy like a specific shoe for it. But all all shoes could kind of work, right? Right. Um, but we want that specific. So I think that that's specific sell. I think that's really powerful, and I know that I don't do that as much as, <laughs> as I could. No, it's it's one of those things you you catch yourself slipping on all the time. It's kind of like ego. It's like okay, remove the ego, cool, and then it's like it builds up over time, and you're like ah fuck, I've been I haven't been being specific enough. It's tough because there's a couple reasons why we're not specific. It's like first of all. Um, it's hard to guarantee specifics. Mm-hmm. And so you need to word that in a way where you don't, we don't feel unethical. But another thing is, is that we're afraid of what our market, not our customers, but what our market may think our, our competitors and in our industry, our peers might think of the fact that we're making very specific offers and the, and the judgment and pressure there. So there's, there's a lot weighing in on unconsciously even on how we make offers and in a, in a for it forces us sometimes to dilute our offers and not make them as potent as possible because we sometimes don't want to even feel like we're showing or bragging off too much. We don't want to be we we but we want to be more Conor McGregor. It's like mm-hmm. there's a reason he's fucking huge. Mm-hmm. It's like you we you we we kind of put the brakes on that shameless self-promotion so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so that can dull down the uh, specificity of offers too. Mm. I watched an interview with his coach saying, you know, like uh, Joe Rogan was asking, like, how do you feel about that? And he's like, well, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm in this game. You have to realize it's prize fighting, right? Like you're taking damage for money. And he's like, when I look at Connor and how much he makes, I look at some other guys like it's just, you know, like Connor gets it, you know, like he's in it to get it. Like there's a lot, a lot of stuff that goes on around, you know, and everything. But uh, at the end of the day, it's. You know, it's it's attention, A I D A, attention, interest, desire, action, right? And it's it's pushing buttons, it's getting people emotional, getting their attention, getting them riled up, and once they're riled up, they're engaged. And uh, you know, uh, at the end of the night, when you go home to your apartment, it's just you and you know your own bills, and you know, like no one else is paying your bills for you type thing. So, I, I get where you're going with that shameless self promotion. I don't know why, but yeah, we're our you get taught that in school, right? You shouldn't. Be, it's like you have to unprogram yourself mm-hmm. all the nonsense that's been pushed into your brain what are some of the other things that you feel like you had to figure out and discover on this journey you've been through Mm. oh man uh so much like i had uh, the one thing was i started learning pickup and dating in the whole dating industry um because i was i hopelessly repelled every single woman that i went near um, because I was acting like a low status beta male is basically, basically the way to say mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. so I had to learn that stuff at the same time I started learning marketing. Cause so I was really just trying to figure, uh, even though I was in a rock band, I got some free groupies out of it, but I was still no ladies, man. Let me tell you that. So I had to figure that shit out at the same time I was learning marketing, which actually I think gave me a, a pretty good, uh, a pretty good, uh, advantage looking back because they're very, they're very similar in that their social psychology mm-hmm, and kind mm-hmm. of figuring figuring out like faux pas and understanding you know social status which is what all the game is of when we're marketing ourselves online it's all it's we're back in high school man it's a popularity game in your industry it's all social status and so i so my point is i had to learn high status behaviors and i had to learn when i was doing low status behaviors so i had to learn things like 
You know, I had to learn to draw my mood and my self-worth from within myself, not from the opinions or validation from other people. Um, you know, I, cause that means you're unwavering and that means you can't be just knocked down and that's a high status behavior and people can feel that and see that, especially online. Um, I had to like figure out my values and standards and know what the hell they were. And then I had to stick to them. And that's like me now, like I have my values and what I believe and I'm willing to die for them. And people can feel that. And that's why I, I build a pretty strong audience is people mm -hmm. feel like, well, fuck, at least he's strong. He's not going to back down, mm -hmm. which means which means people are like, oh, great. You know, he can be my leader. It's like he, can, he he's willing to go first and he's and he's willing to die for it. So, like, I'm, I'll, I'll stick with him and stuff. And so mm -hmm. there there were things like that, like deciding to be the protector of my market. Now, I don't mean a white knight. <laughs> little bitch about about it because there's, there's people who do it wrong but i mean tr but literally seeing yourself as the trusted advisor to your market and kind of a protector and making sure that you know everything's on the up and up and that's that's kind of like the idea of a father figure and 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 that's why i, I call myself father freedom is like the idea of a father is that you you protect and nurture and 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 take care of your industry so to speak and also it shows that you're the authority figure um and then and and so there's there's a lot to that too and also i had to learn i had to learn that while you're being serious and doing all this stuff on business you know like on the internet we're very serious because we're creating businesses and mm -hmm. all that i had to learn to have some fucking humor and relax too because you know a high status uh person mm -hmm. doesn't take life too damn seriously mm -hmm. they're not they're not afraid to let them some humor go and and kind of play loose because they know that they because a lot of people man they're 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 afraid to 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 let loose and not be so serious uh, because they're afraid people won't respect them if they are uh, loose. But that that fear is a low status behavior in and of itself. So you lost before you even fucking started even talking to yourself about it. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, I like this. The the high status behaviors. I think that's really important. I remember one of my earliest clients. We had a mastermind group, and somebody was um, being a difficult member. You could say, mm. and I publicly executed them. <laughs> and it caused a huge wave in our everyone's like what are you doing because the, the customer's always right and i was like no we have to make an example and uh in the end it ended up working out really really good i we I basically we played good cop bad cop i wasn't the guru i was the marketing director at the time but i was you know an authority authority position and i publicly executed that person for their behavior and everybody else fell in line you know it was exactly like what you would hope in the mm. sense of right like like you said that high status behavior like i was like we don't need your business you know if you i don't know i think you i don't think you realize who you're talking to uh you know it's okay to be upset but you know your behavior like there's right ways and wrong ways to act you might pay us money but it's not to treat you know what i mean like we're not floor mats like that sort of thing and um anyways the the, the sums of money being paid were very large so people were very subservient to the members of the group it was very high high-end mastermind but it's like what you said it was that high status behavior um, mm. so I, I love that that term like i feel like i'm gonna google that after <laughs> this call just to like brush up i remember when i was in japan we went to some zoo and they were talking about like there's a exhibit on the gorillas and it was this whole thing on alpha versus beta males and i was really mm. fascinated by it because we're just, you know, whether whatever you believe, there's a lot of similarities between us and monkeys. I'm sorry to tell you. Um, yeah. You know, so uh, so how does this all translate into making money and making <laughs> money online? Well, so what happens is when you have status in an industry, people unconsciously trust you. And so they will they will basically jump off a bridge for you. And this can obviously be dangerous if you don't know what the hell you're doing. Right. Um and so that, and that's why you'll see um, a lot of gurus in our in our industry. You'll see that like they may have followers and they may have a following, but you you some of you may know that they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Right. It doesn't matter. And and so and so the truth is, it doesn't matter if you have status to somebody, they will just they will just trust you, which is scary in a way. And right. there's a big responsibility to that to know what the hell you're doing and at least yep. get people results. And so the way it translates into money 
is uh, specifically for me anyway, was, um, was, it was kind of like an, an interesting evolution, but we started off doing services, uh, copywriting services, funnel services, marketing strategy services, uh, advertising writing services. And, and I had to promote it somehow. So I went on Facebook and that's where I started on my own profile. And I just started, providing value, linking up with people. And it was, it was definitely slow going. That's for sure. Um, but I just started asserting, asserting my status and, and I did it in certain ways. Like I, I wrote it, I wrote a book, you know, I, uh, things like that. Like you write a book, you have, you have status. Now you need to write three fucking books in order to have the same amount of status (laughs) Add when you wrote one book and, you know, and then, and then, so there's all these different things I did, like these outward things, like get a Ted talk, this and that. Um, and so and you kind of got to be ready for that, right? You can't, not everyone can just get a TED talk, even though it's not that big of a deal. You still got to have, you know, some confidence and have some chops that you feel like you get up there and do a TED talk and hopefully the damn thing's actually somewhat good. So you got to really be self-aware and know, know where you're at. And if you're ready, if you're truly an expert to start promoting yourself, because if you're not, there's no point doing it. You'll just, mm-hmm. like I tried in 2008 to promote myself as an expert in a topic and I, I wasn't ready. I thought I was, but I didn't know jack shit. So nobody listened, nobody cared, mm-hmm. even though I did all the right things, so to speak. But, um, but yeah, you just promote yourself on Facebook. Um, and, and the, and the number one way that I've done it on social media is by providing savagely good content consistently. Um, and it's, it's kind of one of those things that seems obvious, but it's extremely important because somebody comes into your audience or into your world for the first time, they probably won't buy from you. It'll take them a while. Mm-hmm. And so the time between they buy from you and when they come into your world, the only the fucking only thing you can do is give them content. That's it. Like there's nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like you can only give them value. And so, you know, it took me a long time to figure out what 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 value meant, what good content meant, because most people's content kind of blows. And right. you look at you look like a guy like say look in the workout industry and in the muscle building industry, you see the average content a lot of these guys do. And it's like a video. It's like how to do a bench press. And it's like him on some video doing a bench press. It's like, fuck, nobody cares, man. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's that's not good content. So the question comes, what is good content? And I started to figure out that entertainment is good content. And Tony Mm. Robbins too, he said, entertain, then educate. And I was like, well, why didn't he say it the other way around? It's like, entertainment man it's it's that's so why i started to really pepper in the entertainment and that's when things started to really take off and then i listened to a dan kennedy program from years ago where make them laugh was, and take their money uh, i don't remember hearing that but oh. he had a he had a program uh it was his newsletter how to create a profitable newsletter like old school you know mm. mail it mail newsletter and and he and he and bill glazer his uh business partner at the time said the secret formula to a newsletter where people actually stick around is 33% um, direct, useful, relevant content, 33% semi-relevant. Maybe it's a testimonial. Maybe it's a case study. Maybe it's a contest, whatever. And then 33% pure entertainment and off-topic ridiculousness. And he said they had to put that last 33% in there because if they didn't, it got predictable, it got boring, and nobody stuck around. They had to put the entertainment of completely off-topic randomness in there in order for people to keep consuming and enjoy the newsletter. I love that. I think I heard that one. I think I heard that. I remember when I was going through my <laughs> big marketing thing, like just consuming everything. I remember Bill Glazer talking about something about that. But all right, so let's just break this down again. So. I love this. So you're establishing authority in multiple means and you're putting out content. And I love how you said that the only thing you can do between when they become a lead or like, it depends how you break it down. Are they lead qualified leads or prospects yeah. leads, whatever. When they become, when they enter your known universe before they become a hot lead, before they become a buyer, the only thing you can do is share content. So it's got to be good. And I love that. So what is good content? Entertainment is good content. You got to, they have to enjoy it. You have to tickle their brain. So then you talked about how 33% useful content, which is relevant, practical stuff, 33% semi-useful content, and then 33% pure entertainment, just shenanigans. <laughs> now, can you help describe what semi-useful content is? What's that middle ground? I feel like that's a hazy middle area. Help, yeah. help define it better for our people. It is, ha- it is hazy, but it can also be um, like it can be commenta- com- commentary on culture. 
right? Mm. It could be something you write about. You could write about some cool stuff that Steve Jobs did or something. Mm. It's like, it, so it can be a commentary on the culture or on the industry at large. It can be, uh, it can be a, a, a connection or a story from some completely under, other industry that may have, may have like a, a teaching that can relate to our industry. Right. Um, it could be a survey. It could be jo- uh, con- a contest, uh, that we're e- like, even let's say you're giving away, I'm giving away a fucking iPhone, you know, 30, um, to somebody who, you know, this and this and that, like that kind of, it's, it's not, it's not directly like here's a money making tip, but it's like it's a semi relevant uh, thing that has to do with your industry. Um, it can be like um, some sort of current event in the news. I, I like to do this, those kind of tie-ins, and there's mm. a million ways you could do different tie-ins and stuff mm. like that. Mm. Um, also, semi relevant is like let's say um, you're shouting somebody out or uh, and things like that. So. Um, and so, and the, and then and there's another, there's another thing that you wrap around this. So like you have the direct helpful advice and information, uh, and you still want to make that as entertaining as possible too, and be creative with it, be funny. The humor is huge. If you, if you, if you can, some people just don't have the, some people just aren't that humorous It's mm-hmm. understandable. But, um, so the, there, there's something that you wrap around and, 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 and what it is, is, uh, your life and lifestyle. You got to let them in, especially on social media. I see too many people. Um, do like they do, they do lots of, lots of videos, lots of uh, direct help, but they don't let them into their life. There's no window into who they are. Mm. Um, but it's important that people, they need to be, they they need you to let them in. And, and, uh, and so there's, there's that you need to let them in. Um, there's also a question I always ask, um, myself or I ask other people, um, when, to, to, to kind of grade their own social profile is like, how alive does your profile feel? How alive is it? And aliveness and movement is huge. So for example, um, are you using multiple media formats? Okay. Are you doing video? Are you doing, uh, written and are you doing pictures? Right. And are, and is the ratio somewhat balanced or do you always just only do written? Right. Um, are your videos not just you, with a fucking tripod and is, you know, is there movement, you know, movement's mm-hmm. important. That's why a lot of the, the most highest converting videos on YouTube and stuff like that are, are just shaky kind of movement. Right. When There's, people are walking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah movement, It's like those dancing movement, fan that. dudes they put outside stores. I don't know if it, the big red, like Gumby looking guy that just flops around those that works, man. Paying yeah. someone to put on a costume and spin a sign on the side of the street. It just gets your attention. It's the movement, man. Yep. 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 The movement yep. matters. And so the aliveness and movement, it's the, yeah. So the multiple, multiple media formats, uh, are the, the, the amount you're posting, the quantity you're posting. I post about three times a day, uh, how consistently you're posting, right. Which is, should be daily. Um, cause to be, to be their leader, especially in this day and age when other people are willing to be daily, if you're not like that, that works as a tick against you. Um, but they, they need a rock to lean on that they may, the strength they may not always have. And so if you show up for them daily, then they can, they can learn to rely on you because consistency is trust. Um, and, and drama and controversy matters for that aliveness and movement too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of that, uh, location switching is important for aliveness and movement. If you're always at your house and people can feel that and know that and see that, mm-hmm. then that gets old real quick. Um, cause a lot of this is on as social media is like people just get, if you become predictable, uh, you're just, you're done. Mm, 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 mm. I love this. So what would you recommend to someone who is starting out or just struggling? Like they're just trying to get leads and buyers for an agency or something like that online. Like what would you recommend or some sort of service? Would it be very different if it was service versus product? Maybe I should start with that. No, I mean, it, it wouldn't, uh, it, it's, it's, it's pretty easy with surface. I mean, uh, or with, with service, it's if somebody's struggling and they just really want leads and sales, I understand. But I, the last thing in the world you want to think about is, is coming from that frame. Mm-hmm. Like you'd never want to say to yourself, I need leads and sales. Cause like you're going to act like a desperate fuck and it's not going to work, especially on social media because everybody is doing the same thing. So the first thing I'd recommend is immediately don't do what everyone else is doing. <laughs> So, and, and what that, and what most people are doing, well, go look at their fucking profiles. The average coach or the average consultant or the average service provider, they all get the same damn thing. You go to their, their cover photo says like, it's a picture of something like usually a shitty picture. And it's like, join my free Facebook group for whatever professionals. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like they all say that. And it's like you know what it is. You go there and then they're going to try and warm you up. And say, like it's like it's like it's not that it doesn't – it's not that it's not useful and it's not like that approach doesn't work. It's that it doesn't really work anymore because everybody's doing it. It's right. not like that's a bad thing. It's just a bad thing because everybody's doing it. Right. And, and you and you need to stand out. It's like you need to be the the red poppy or the the the, the yellow poppy in the red fucking field. It's like that alone. It's the re- same reason why on YouTube, um, the, like certain celebrities, like YouTube celebrities, they're they're nothing special. But it's like the guy with the green hair and the red yeah. jeans. It's like he'll fucking go to the top just because he has the red hair and the green. fucking thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking that there's some hip hop guy that's multicolored right now. And I was yeah, figure, and it's it's just it's just that it's like Kiss. It's the big it's the makeup. Marilyn Manson. It's the show. It's the show business part of it. Yeah, the standing out. Yeah, dude, there was a there was a like they they used to they study chimpanzees, and there was a um there was a one chimpanzee that was so ugly. He was so ugly that all the other chimpanzees looked at him, all the time <laughs> because he was so ugly to look at. But because of that, it rose his status. Yep. He rose in status because everyone was looking at him, and then he actually became high status, even though he was the lowest status and ugly. And so, yep. so that 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 matters. It's like it's Ron insane. Jeremy. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> what a disgusting guy. But but yeah, exactly. It's like can't, <laughs> he's so distracting. You can't watch him in a porn. It's right. like what is this? It's all right. So don't do what anyway. everyone else is doing. Publish content. Make sure it's 33% useful, 33% semi-useful, 33% pure entertainment. Try to have humor and entertainment and all of it as best as you can. Daily has got to be better. How do you transition from just pumping out content to the pitch? Okay, so there's a couple ways to do it. So one of the ways I did it when I had nothing, um, because if you don't have an audience, it's tough, right? Mm -hmm, It's like... mm -hmm. If you don't have an audience to make offers to, then, you know, whatever. It's like you can't just hop on people, other people's pages. So the way I did it was like a little tiny trick. So I went to I went to a Facebook group and I was like, okay, I'm going to become an authority in a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. I'll become – if I don't have my own audience, I'll become an authority in someone else's audience. Now, you, now the way you do that is first by never um, – you know, it's the number one rule in – or the number one law in the 48 Laws of Power, which is don't over – Exactly. Don't shine the master. And so you got to be careful. You don't want to like, you don't want to patronize and and be that guy who's like obviously just super like uh, trying to give props to the master because you can tell that he wants to do. You just be cool, right? It's obvious. Just be cool and uh, and don't try to be like number one. Anyway, so you go in there in that group in that audience. Now the criteria for choosing the group is I believe it should be paid. If it's a free group, you're going to be pissing around. And I believe it should be a paid Facebook group where everybody is paying a monthly fee to be there because you know they're buyers, first of all, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. fucking huge. You know they're buyers. And and then number two is you know they're serious. They're, oh, they're at least like five to ten times more serious than anybody in, that's in a free group um, right, right, right. just by virtue of that. So you get in the group and then what you do is you go in there uh, a couple hours a day. And, and and pick the same hours a day and do not – because the last thing you want to do is you want – like because it's one thing to give value in a group all the time and be known as someone who's valuable. But the last thing you want to be known as is somebody who sits in there all day trying to get business. Right, right, right. So, so, so if everybody knows that you're in there every morning for two hours, then that's cool and that's it. Then you have a real business to run. You have other shit to do. Right. Um, and so, so the way I did is I went in and it was two hours every day and I would answer questions like a boss. And the, and the way I would answer questions, cause th- that's what, that was the secret sauce to getting a shitload of, um, people in my, into my profile, my audience is because I answered the questions better than most people could answer them. And it's not cause I was so awesome. It was because I answered them in a very specific way. I answered the question, um, I answered the act, the question that they didn't even know that they were asking. Mm. So mm. if somebody, if somebody has a question, usually it's some sort of newbie and or they're not thinking about things cr- properly and they asked it a question, but I knew I'm like, Oh, cause I always ask myself, I'm looking at their question. I said, what are they really asking? What are they really asking? And you'll see that what they're actually asking is maybe they're just asking for validation. Maybe they're actually asking, uh, for, uh, just some confidence. Maybe they just, maybe they're actually asking, how do I, um, mm-hmm. position myself? But there's always another question they're asking. That's a, a level up higher up than what 
they're actually asking. Right. And the cool right. thing is, is almost everybody will answer the direct question that they're that they're asking, and they'll give some shitty answer because they have no, um, they don't have any. They don't have any, any, depth. They don't have any no, subject they knowledge, right? They, they're not no, in the nuts they're, and bolts. They're just regurgitating. Yeah. And so you stand out immediately by going meta. And giving the answer to a question they didn't even realize they had. You blow their fucking face off and everybody else's face and you're a hero. And you do that all the time and you get known very quick for being a hero. And what you do is you every every day you answer all those questions but then every day you post one killer piece of content that you write. And the killer piece of content is like a reframe. It's basically like here's a, here's a co widely held common belief about a piece of advice and here's why it's completely probably backwards. Mm -hmm. And so you get in this habit of blowing people's minds. Um, and then what you do is every time you answer a question really good or you, or you put an article uh, or, or a piece of content really good in the group, you're going to get start getting a shitload of likes on those comments and those posts. And every time you do, you go in, see the list of people who like it, add them all as a friend. Mm -hmm. And it's something I would never do now, but it's something I did back then. And what I did is I added hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people. Uh, to my Facebook friends list in a couple months. And then once they were on my Facebook, here's what's cool. The secret trick in starting to turn it into money is they got used in the group. They got used to my, uh, my, my posts that were, uh, really damn good, good, good content. But then I would do very similar, the same kind of posts, same structure and everything on my personal profile. But then I would put calls to action to PM me about working mm. together about it. And so and so what, what actually ended up even happening, the group that I that I infiltrated, so to speak, was Digital Marketers Group. They had mm. 6,000 people at the time, and I was the number one guy there. Ryan Dice would have been, but he didn't spend enough time in there. But I was the number one guy in there back in 2014, 15. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was then I would start posting uh, on my personal profile the same type of content but with, with, uh, with, with calls to action. And I would have people like Molly from Digital Marketer message me and go, oh, hey, Mitch, um, I love your content. And I love what you posted today, but we, we're going to have to take it down and remove it because of the it's too salesy. There's a call to action at the end, so hope I'm um, you know sorry about that. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Uh, do you want the password to my Facebook because it's on my personal profile? <laughs> and she'd be like, damn it. She's like, fuck. And so my point is, is that people, including the the staff themselves in the Facebook group, Good won't enough. even know the difference between if your content is posted on your profile or in the group and if people think it's posted in the group because it's all a blur to them, then they actually even believe that the group owner let you post that in there, which gives mm -hmm. you even more authority, authority in the first place. Yep. 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 And then, and then just to add to, to the final piece to that strategy, what I would do also do beside on my own profile, besides give lots of content, do follow the 33, 33, 33 rules. So you're entertaining as shit. Um, is I would start, I would also hold, um, like little, like, like little training webinars. I'd be like four days from now, I'm going to do a killer training on this, this like irresistible topic. It's like, would you, would you like the link to it? If so, comment below, you get like 300 people commenting. Yes. And then you, uh, you know, private message them all the link, which sucks to do. It's lots of heavy labor. If you, if you, if you're like, I need clients and need leads and, and you're desperate for them, get ready for the, 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 get ready for the heavy labor of doing all this crazy shit. Like I just talked about, but you must never, ever make it look like you're doing this heavy labor. Right, right, right. Yep. So that's a little strategy if, you, if you're like, I need clients and leads, um, but I don't have an audience. That's excellent. That's excellent. So now what's the next evolution of that for the people that aren't struggling and desperate when they're you're saying that's the heavy labor? Is, is it still do the heavy labor, but now because you're not struggling, you have a team around you to help you support, to help support you do it? Or is it a different strategy? Right. So the strategy now is get other people to talk about me so that my audience builds without me actually going out to build the audience. Um, and so we don't do any of that type of stuff. We don't go to groups. We don't, uh, we don't, I don't know if I've ever added somebody as a friend in years, unless it's someone we, I met in real life and whatever. Um, but the way I do it now is we have my, my audience, my audience isn't even that big, man. It's like 10,000 people right now. But it's not the um, size. It's the engagement. I know it's, people with a list so of 100,000 that, you know, they're talking to an empty room and other people that have got a list of 1,000 and they're, you know, they're crushing seven figures. Yeah, it's, it's so it's so true. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great point. And uh, and so what happens is um, the, the better the, 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 the better content that I post, um, the more people share it and tag their friends in it. And, and the more that the more that, um, 
you know, the more that my audience grows, it's, and, 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 and some of the secrets to that is like, um, if you post content, like the way that I think about my content or even my jokes or any of the fucking stuff that I do is I just imagine if that post was on a t-shirt, would they buy it and wear it around as part of their own identity? Mm. If not, then, you know, consider either not posting it or maybe you're, you're, you got your market message wrong because the people will share things that they feel is them. So it's like, I always ask myself, it's like, would they put it on a shirt and wear it around? If not, then it's probably not going to resonate and hit because the way that I build my audience is not like, Oh, they're marketers. They're my audience. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, I go for a worldview, man. It's like, you know, if, if you like Joe Rogan, if you like Jordan Peterson, if you like deep thinking, if you like Richard Bandler, if you're into self-help, if you're also into like, uh, you know, politically incorrectness, like, like, like George Carlin and, and, mm-hmm. and offensive humor. Like if you're into like the darker side of psychology, but also are a good person, like, like those, if you're into that worldview, then that's, that's, that's where I, that's how I market. I market to worldviews, not niches. Mm-hmm. Niches mm-hmm. are stupid to me. I, I market to a worldview. And that's how I'm able to create an audience, like like you said, uh, uh, that's very very powerful with only ten thousand people because it's a worldview. It's a, it's 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 values. It's a it's like it doesn't matter if I was marketing. It doesn't matter what I would be selling. I could be fucking selling pizza, but it's the worldview of the audience that I got. And so it's kind of like Alex Jones with the whole Infowars thing. It's like Alex Jones doesn't matter what he sells. He can fucking sell suits. He can sell food. He can sell anything. But it's the worldview that he's captured of the people. Mm-hmm. Now we talked about this before. I even got on the call, and I think this is the perfect time to dive to, to explain that you've got a unique perspective where you feel that exactly like you said the demographics, the psychographics, all that stuff is just about like like conversation topics. It's mm. not so much. How am I? Sorry, I want to make sure I articulate this properly. It's that that's more conversation topics. People like these Facebook pages. They like this stuff. That gives you themes to, you know, to to to, mm. to discuss. The buy yeah. buttons are always going to be the same. Save time, you know, <laughs> make money, you know, less stress. Like the buy buttons are always going to be the same. But that just gives you kind of the. Am I hitting that right? I don't know if I'm articulate because it's something you told to me. But oh, okay. Am I? Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I think th- I think I think you got it. I think you got it spot on. It's it's just the idea of. Uh, everybody would love to, everybody would love, whether you're writing copy, whether you're marketing a product, everybody would love to, um, know, know their market so well that they know what they want and they know how to talk to them to get them to buy. And so the typical way is like through market research, we build a customer avatar. We figure out how old they are. We figure out what profession they probably have. We figure out what magazines they read. We figure out what, what, what books they download on audible, what websites and blogs they go to, which, which gurus they follow, what music they listen to. And we get, we kind of profile them like the FBI would profile a murderer or something, uh, or a serial killer. And you, you get, you profile this person. So you get to know who they are. And, and then people still have trouble selling shit to them. And figure out how they're like, fuck, man, like I, I know this person inside and out, but when I write copy or when I make an offer, they still don't buy. What the hell's going on? It's like, well, the first thing is like I like to think is like um, is is all of that research you just did to figure out who that person is, that profile, an avatar of that person. It's like all of that stuff will help you connect to them. It'll help you build rapport with them. It'll help you have a conversation with them so they feel like you're like them, right? If they're a conservative, Christian, right, right-leaning, right-wing male who's got his handgun in his fucking back pocket, he lives in Texas, it's like – and you're a uh, – and, and, and you're, you're a like granola-crunching um, hippie liberal from California and right. you, you, you're talking to this guy. It's like there's going to be a mismatch, mm-hmm. right? And this is why I don't believe in niches anymore because the way that ad targeting and social media has kind of blown blown the general advertising out the door. Because if you're going to – even if you're going to advertise to accountants, are there not right-leaning conservative right. accountants and left-leaning liberal accountants? The conversation you have is vastly different even though they're both accountants. 
And so my point is, is that this profiling that you do based on who you want to work with and who you want uh, to be a customer, that profile is excellent for talking to them and being on the same wavelength and having them feel like they can trust you and this and that. But everybody misses the mark because they're like, well, they're not buying from me still. It's like, that's right, because you're looking for the buying triggers. You're looking for in market research. Everybody's looking for those nuggets and those pain, those pain points and those those um, those desires. Right. So they they so that they can know what to say to get somebody to give them money. But like you just said, it's like the things that that actually take the money out of the pocket, so to speak, those pain points, those desires, those reasons, those are universal. They're always universal. And so you'll never find them in your specific marketing research, so to speak, because that's not for that. That's for the connection and the conversation. But the actual universal buying triggers are universal. And this is something else nobody talks about. Like the universal ones are like to prove somebody wrong. They'll mm. buy to feel superior, to feel more attractive, to prevent being cheated on. You know, a lot of uh, weight loss products uh, for females um, that's a lot of the reason they actually buy, right? Um, to feel more intelligent, to make somebody uh, proud, to gain uh, what could be parents. It could be parents who passed away. Um, you know, they want to make their dead parents proud, um, to gain the respect of somebody, to, to give their family a better life, uh, safety, save time to, like you said there, to be a good role model for their children, to feel part of a group, to uh, maybe the greed of getting something undeserved, like a flash sailor going to Value Village and getting a, you know, a, a cheap piece of clothing for, um, you know, that. Or even when you go to uh, Thailand or in the Philippines here and you can buy a Gucci watch for fucking fifty dollars or something. It's, fake. <laughs> it's like people buy for hope and strength, for health, for positive emotions. People buy out of guilt. It's like if you ever go to Costco and like see the samples and you talk to the sample lady and yeah, you, and you uh, feel obligated. Right, 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 right. Um, you could buy something to get control over someone else. And, and so there's a million reasons why uh, people will buy, but those are universal and they apply to all people. And those are that's the list of things that people actually are probably unconsciously looking for when they do market research, not realizing that you're not going to fucking find those there. Mm, 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 mm. I think what we talked about here is really powerful for anyone that's listening. They probably want to listen to this interview a couple of times just to make sure they get the nuggets out of this because – We've talked about building a following, how to start with no list, no following. We've kind of talked about how to leverage your time and how to, how to per, like, whether you realize or not, even when we talked at the beginning about your weaknesses and building a team and having people, like, you know, not doing $5 an hour work if you want to make $500 an hour. Like, really from this call, we've really given you the fundamentals for getting up and running, building a team around you to support you and providing the product or service. Uh, building an audience, a growing audience around you and your content and how to talk to them and resonate with them and then how to how to make sales without being overly salesy. You know, uh, I think that's great. Now, do you pitch in all your content? That's probably the only thing that I think we have to add to that. The 33, 33, 33. Is there like a 5% pitch in everything that you do? Is there, you know, like how does, how do you? Mm. I no? think it's about, the way I do it is it's like, it's about 85% content uh, you know, 15%, uh, pitching all lightly. Also, I'm a big believer in subliminal pitching. And what I mean is basically in my content, I'll reference, I'll be like, and our, our event next, our, I'll be talking about something like that in our event our, at our event next month. And then teasing it. Yeah. Just like dropping little things or in my Facebook domination program, we talk about, uh, we talk about, we talk about that sometimes, or, you know, it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll drop little hints of the things we're selling. And that's why it's important. Um, I believe depending on what you're doing to sell multiple things at once, because you always want to be making offers. You never, you know, you don't, it's, I can't say never, but you don't really usually want to be having only one offer because there's only many, there's only so much ways you can talk about it. And there's only so often you can talk about it before it gets old and weird and stale. Um, mm -hmm. um, there's, there, there are exceptions. There are exceptions if you have a single program and but that, it's, it's a nuanced you, you conversation. You need a hierarchy. You need a hierarchy of, of products and services anyways, right? Like everything you've got a deluxe, you've got the, the bronze, silver, gold package, you know, you can you can fragment pieces of that. For anyone that's listening to this that's stuck, you know, even if you have a course, you can pull pieces out of the course and sell the worksheet or sell three of the lessons instead of all seven of the lessons or, you know, like all that. So there's tons of ways to, to bundle and package this stuff up. 
and you can't really do the ascension model so much on social media if you're talking about having, say, an audience on fucking Facebook or something. You can have an ascension model if you just, let's say, you're okay, everyone's going to, everyone on Facebook or on social, I'm going to get them into this one entry product and they're in my funnels. It's like, but what I mean is that, like, my audience is 10,000 people and there's everyone from, like, OGs to, like, newbies. And, mm -hmm. like, and so, you know, the the way I look at it is almost like uh, James Shramko talks about like the, the, the pie wheel. It's like, are you this? Then you might want this. Are you this? Then you might want this. And so instead of an ascension model, the way I look at it is more of like a, 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 a wheel of offerings. And so you're always offering different things. I do an advanced post here and then I talk and then there's something advanced offered and this and that. And so you, you really, when you have an audience, um, it, it can it can be it can be varied and it can be vast. So I like to have multiple products circulating all the time because then I have there's more I can sell. It's like if I'm talking about confidence today, it's like oh I have a confidence program or or maybe I'm going to talk about X. So now I can talk about my event. It's like I like having multiple things to offer because then you have multiple things to always be talking about and selling, and it mm. makes you more it makes everything more interesting for people. Mm -hmm. It's not predictable mm -hmm. too. Yep. No, I, I love that. I love that. One thing we got really clear on was now starting to try to have six themes or, or core uh, topics for the brand and basically doing mm -hmm. that, having something for each because it might not even be relevant. I remember I saw Alex Sharfin. We've we had James Shramko and Alex Sharfin on the show. For people listening, those were also great interviews. Definitely go check those out. Um, but with Alex Sharf and one of the things I noticed, he was doing this hyperhydration thing at once. And I'm like, what does it have to do with entrepreneurs? And I realized it doesn't have to have anything to do with entrepreneurs or business because he's speaking to entrepreneurs. He, it's like when you're at a conference with people, you're not always talking about business, right? You like make a joke with someone at the buffet about whatever, right? Like this, this, the shrimp looking funny, you know, and that just gets the conversation going. And I realized that. So, you know, like you said, if you're talking about confidence, Someone listening might have been like, well, what does confidence have to do with copywriting? Well, of course, you could make a segue, right? You could tie it in. But maybe it doesn't necessarily even have to because you know that your audience is business people. You're just trying to get momentum like a rocket ship. You're just trying to get the conversation going. You're trying to get mm -hmm. them to take action with you and engagement, right? Because the difference between window shopping and shopping is when you're window shopping, you don't touch anything. So if they're not engaging with you, the less it's less likely they're going to just jump out of their chair and then go give you money. Right. They got to engage with you a little bit, chat, poke, like, share. Right. And then and I might be wrong, but I think that that's but there's probably some truth to that, that before someone feels confident pulling out a credit card, probably going to click like. Right. On some <laughs> of your stuff. Um, right. So this is great. Yeah. This has been a great call. Mitch, I do want to respect your time, though. And I know we already chatted a bit before we hit record. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that I should have asked you about? Um. Hmm. Yeah, well, okay, here's something interesting. Um, I can't remember, man, I can't remember where I heard this. Um, there are a couple things you want to look after. Like there's a couple ratios that you want to kind of look after when it comes to your social media profile because it's all about monitoring monitoring how it's doing and trying to avoid blind spots. So, uh, for example, you want to watch your positivity to negativity ratio. So go through your profile and ask yourself every week, overall, does my profile feel too negative or does it feel too positive? And what's the overall vibe here? Is it 50-50 or 70-30? Um, I like to keep a pretty – I like to keep mine at like 70% positive, 30% negative. And by negative, I mean like if you're sarcastic or if you're kind of trolling on people or maybe you do a rant. It's like that kind of negativity in a way. I don't mean like you know that kind of stuff. And I like to watch it. Um, but you don't – want it to always be always positive and you don't want to definitely get to sliding into the where it's more negative than positive because that's not a good thing either because how you make people feel in general matters and so your your profile has a has a vibe and i would just kind of watch watch the ratio of that mm. um that's mm. one there's a couple other ratios that I, i'm trying to remember them one of them is the brag to self-deprecation scale or ratio <laughs> it's like it's like the more humble and self-aware you that you display. Um, okay, here's here's a way of looking at it. The more humble and self-aware you are, and that you display for people, um, the more bragging and cockiness you can get away with. <laughs> right. So it's kind of like Eminem's an interesting version of that because he can be <laughs> crazy cocky and bragging and he's nuts but he's also super humble and self-aware of his pitfalls and he's he makes fun of himself a lot too right and and you need both and so the, the, just know that the more the more of which one you want to be is the more the other that you need to be as well right 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 it's the yin and the yang right 
too much of anything turns into the opposite. Someone who thinks they're too beautiful becomes really ugly as a person. Yes. And maybe there's one more thing we could, we could, we could end on. I think is important is, um, most people walk on eggshells are too afraid to be themselves. And that, that actually really, really hurts you. And it's, it's one of the secret reasons why people probably don't give you, give you your money, give you money for stuff is because you are afraid to be polarizing and you're afraid to be yourself. And people can feel when you're holding back and they can feel when you're kind of putting on a show just to kind of make smooth things over or make sure people like you or try not to be, you know, too out there. And, and, and people can tell when you're kind of dampening who you really are. And so the, the way that I understand this is just simply understanding that you, you are, because people are afraid to be polarizing or they're afraid to be a little controversial. And I get it. You don't want to be that person who's purposely being controversial. Like it's an actor, it's a gimmick or it's a shtick. You're just trying to get attention or something. That's not cool. People feel that too. What I'm trying to say is that in your personal life, when you're talking to your friends or you're with your wife or you're just chilling with your buddies, you are polarizing by default. It's just we all we are all polarizing. We're all controversial. We're all mm-hmm. just ourselves. And so we're polarizing by nature. So if you come online and your persona is different, the more different, the bigger the gap between your online social persona, so to speak, and who you really are, the more people feel that and the less people will trust you. Because if you think about it, um, reality, we, we, we actually like – we see reality show stars and we like we're hypnotized by them because they're no different than real life than when the camera's on them. There's like no change Mm. and we're hypnotized by that. Mm. And so the same will be with you on your social profile and understanding that the more eggshells you walk on and the less polarizing you are and the less yourself you are online, people will feel that and then they'll trust you less because in, in some way, as harsh as it sounds, you are being inauthentic. You're being less real mm-hmm. because you're you're putting on a show. Right. And it doesn't mean you can't be entertaining and this and that, but like just understand that people feel that gap. Yep. Yeah. And it's I like how you said it because it's almost like admitting faults to a product or service lets people feel more comfortable because people understand mm. that nothing's perfect. So when you're like, hey, take this course, you know, the problem is, you know, maybe the videos are kind of long, but it's not <laughs> so bad. You can chop them up. You know, like people are always like, what's the catch? What's the catch? And if you give them a catch, they can feel calm because like, oh, if that's the catch, that's not so bad. Right. And it's the same thing with their personality. Like you don't necessarily love everybody. There's lots of people that you're friends with. Where you're like, oh, I really like him for this, but you know, I'm not, I'm not such a big fan of that. Yeah. Um, and you got to give them that because otherwise if they don't know you, they don't feel like they know the boundaries. Uh, you know, people that's, I think that's why, I mean, this is a whole other topic, but it's also why certain people stay in abusive relationships because they know the boundaries of it. You know, they know uh, that they can tolerate like that sort of thing versus the unknown, right? Like people like the comfort zone. So if they know you good, bad and ugly, I think people are afraid of upsetting people. Like I don't want to upset anybody right. because then they won't talk to me anymore. The, the truth is, is that it's almost never too late. If you're still breathing, you can always say, I'm sorry. You can always try to make it up. And if they didn't accept this apology, you can try two more times, three more times, you know, make a game out of it. I did that with my girlfriend and where we live. There's a couple of people that I've had. I felt like, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, there's difficulty in communication and just, and I don't know, teamwork interacting. And so, uh, and I was like, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make them my friend. And I turned it into a game and it's, it's worked. It's worked beautifully. And so people don't need to be worried about, you know, you can always, you can always retract it later if you really need to. Um, I don't know. I just want to speak to that because I, I get what you're saying because it can feel it can feel people like if you unfriend someone on Facebook, you know, like sometimes it's mm-hmm. like, like, you know, you unfriend <laughs> the wrong person. It's it's like it's like you punch <laughs> them in the nose. Like you unf- You're laughing because you know exactly what I mean. Right. Especially if you have a position of authority. Like, oh yeah. You know, but, yeah. I've, but had, I've had threats. I've, had, I've 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 removed somebody as a friend and I had them like literally threaten me. And, and they're, and they're a well-known person in this space. They threatened me like a little girl and screamed and cried and all this and then blocked me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. You know, we're all just, I, th- I like, it is really the schoolyard. So, so I love, I love this call. I think it was a great call. I think there's fantastic content in here. I really encourage people to listen and take notes. We always say take notes, even if you never look at them again. And Mitch, if people want to get involved, if they want to follow, if you want to get engaged, what are the best ways for them to to get to join your tribe? 
So the best way to join my tribe is to just search Mitch Miller or Father Freedom. You'll find me on my personal profile. That's where I pimp out everything and do everything I do. Um, I do have a TV show that we are self-producing coming out on YouTube soon. It's going to be called uh, Privileged and Morally Bankrupt. This is where you turn in the mansion to like the Playboy Mansion of marketing or something. That's so funny. Yeah, this is when it. This is when I. It's 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 half satire, half half politics. It's basically just. Um, me commentating on culture and 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 things I don't like, like radical feminism and uh, and uh, and 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 far left leaning liberals, and and it's also teaching entrepreneurship and marketing and lots of jokes and highly offensive stuff. And so that'll be coming out soon. Um, you can go to my YouTube, which is Opposed Media, as our YouTube channel. So tons of train, a couple hundred training videos on there and, and shit like that. Um, I think the show will be on a different channel though, but it's just something to keep in mind and maybe look out for. Sure. Sure. All right, everyone. So if you want to go check out Mitch Miller, uh, he's on the show because I've been I'm a part of his social media following. I I see him engage. I see people resonate with him. I see the magic work. Um, Obviously, him and I think a lot of the same way. If You like my stuff. I highly think you would enjoy following Mitch as well and definitely find benefit to it. Again, my my goal here is to help you. Your success is my success. So I say Mitch is a good guy. I definitely give him two thumbs up. Go check him out. And Mitch, thank you so much for joining in. I'd love to have you back on in a couple of months and see how things have changed and evolved. And I just appreciate you making time for us because I know you've already got your own following, your own stuff that you could be making content for. So I appreciate you making time for us. Thanks, man. I appreciate it too. You, 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 uh, you, you, you're one of the few who, uh, who knows what they're talking about. So I'm happy to always come by and, and, and teach and help and, and talk shop. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.